0: Relevant content for our members, by our members. This is TMC Connect. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative and want to thank you all for joining us this afternoon uh, for another installment of a session that we've been doing on a recurring basis now for the last three Tuesdays at this time uh, titled Strategies and Safety for a Phased Return of Employees to the Office. Uh, a topic that is certainly top of mind with our members as uh, they begin to look at the landscape that lies ahead of us, hopefully one that is much more normal. That uh, I would like to introduce our discussion leaders this afternoon, um, two very knowledgeable uh, senior leaders in our organization that have led a number of different sessions for us in the past, um, and uh I'm going to introduce them both and then let them tell the listeners a little bit about their company and their role within the company um, to help better frame the discussion. I will start with Jody Corner Office Hall, uh, the president of Nation. Jody, thanks again for joining us.
1: All right. Thanks, Rich. And uh, I'm sitting in the conference room. They don't actually give me an office here. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) So uh, my name is Jody Hall. I'm the um, president of Nationwide Mortgage Bankers. Uh, I think our demographic is important uh, for the company. So we're a retail company headed out of Melville, New York. Um, We have uh, 55,000 square foot operations sales and operations center in Melville that we call our headquarters. Um, And then we have operations and branches across the United States. Um, Our primary focus. And returning to work was, of course, Melville, New York, because of it being a, a hotbed for the COVID virus, and still, you know, are have a lot of people that are impacted on Long Island. Many of our employees who work in Long Island, um, some of them are uh, first responders or uh, drive ambulances. Um, as a second job, but we also have a lot of employees whose spouses and family members commute into Manhattan and/or our uh, police and firefighters on Long Island, so we have um, been greatly impacted, and um, we, you know, it was we made the decision to start the return to the office uh, two weeks ago um, because of having a large sales presence, and also because we had such a large space that we felt that we could safely return thirty percent of our staff to the offices. Um, So that is kind of the. Graphics of of the company, um, you know, we I hear every day of someone who is impacted. Um, one of our one of the guys that works in accounting, his father passed um, from the COVID virus over the weekend. So we are largely um, impacted and uh, definitely didn't take uh, any. Any of our decisions lately, put a lot of thought into it and wanted to make sure that not only did we protect our employees and their families and their communities, but we didn't want to be a a cause for there to be a resurgence of the virus and, God forbid, have to go through another shutdown this year. So that's us.
0: Thank you, Jody. Uh, Very helpful background. And uh, our second discussion leader, Mike Metz, the operations manager at VIP Mortgage. Mike, thanks again for joining us. Glad to be here, Rich. Hi,
2: everybody. My name is Mike Metz. So I'm the operations manager for VIP Mortgage. We are midsize independent here in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are mainly regional in the Southwest, so Arizona, California, Colorado, Texas. We have a little bit in the Midwest, East Coast is scary, so we uh, leave that to smart people like Jody. <laughs> the background looks like the Windows background back in the '90s. And beautiful. Uh, you, you Mike.
1: I know.
2: Here. <laughs> and I am curious, so if people in the uh, call don't mind, I'd love to hear where you're all from just to get an idea on where some of the listeners are from as we talk about our policies. So if you just pop into chat and type where you're from, we can kind of try to include that as we go through this today. And uh, we just started doing our reintroduction into the workforce about two weeks ago. We started bringing people similar to Jody. We did kind of a phased in reintroduction back into the world. And we've had some learning opportunities as we've gone through it about things to watch out for and what to expect. So we'll be glad to share some of that insight today.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Mike. And uh, yeah, see a few of you in the chat. Another Melville, New York. We know Susan. We know uh, U.S. Mortgage Corp for sure. So uh, a couple of our friends also chiming in there. So so the three um, different topics we're going to talk about today. One is planning, um, planning for a return. Second would be the creating of a vision. And the third would be the actual action plan. Um, But let's start with the planning phase. And uh, Jody, um, you know, one of the reasons I immediately reached out to you on this series is because you uh, reached out to me and I know you started your planning. Like, I mean, it was like the second that people went remote, I've been before. A lot of companies even went remote. Uh, talk about uh, you know what prompted you to start that process and what were the first thing, some of the first things you did in in planning for the return to of the office.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, our thought was well, first of all, I, I and I've said this before. I don't. This isn't a. This isn't something that you can plan enough for. And if. You're still not losing sleep after you make the decision to go up until and even after execution. Um, You know, there's just way too many questions um, to be answered. Um, We were fortunate enough that we have a founder and chairman of the board who was very ahead of this in going remote. Um, uh, We were largely remote to start with, but we did have that large presence with, you know, 170 people in New York and um so we were very quick to make sure that people had the ability that when we said go home that it was like snap like that go home um so we were able to go remote extremely fast um that was the second week of march and um so it was i think it was in your uh in the email that you sent today rich where it was saying what the phases of quarantine were and um But we did, we, some of our loan officers went to stage, went to the angry phase, like as soon as we went remote. So maybe that is what prompted it to, for us to start planning so quickly upon the return. But with having that large sales presence there and having the need, and I'm the type of person that needs to be surrounded by people and get the energy and the feel off of the floor, um, and that constant interaction is why we started planning so quickly. If I had to do it all over again, I might have waited until Mike sent me what his plan was. And so I could have cheated, it would have been a lot easier. So, for all of you, if you want um, to make this, uh, you want to do the Cliff Notes version of the planning, take Mike's because he was extremely thorough. Um, but it was the, in, you know, in planning, you never can plan enough. You can never plan soon enough. You're not going to over plan for this. Something's going to come at, up at the last minute. And in order to make our employees feel safe and secure that, so that they felt like they did have an option to return, we started planning that quickly and that thoroughly with every step of the process um, and I would also say, get involved with your building as quickly as possible. RXR, who is our building manager um, in Melville, they have been on um, CNN and Fox News uh, talking about the reopening of office spaces and doing it safely. And they were very um, integral in helping us get back quickly and feel safe with returning so quickly.
0: Thanks, Joni. Uh, and Mike, your company, this uh, is a strategic pairing of you two because uh, your company, a uh, little bigger, um, not nearly as affected by the pandemic where you're headquartered in Scottsdale. Uh, and you had a lot more of your employees that were already working remote. So, uh, talk a little bit about uh, your initial thinking. And, uh, you know, I know you heavily involved your employees in the return decision-making process?
2: Yeah, so we, this is something we took pretty seriously pretty quickly and we went fully remote. We got lucky in that we had a large percentage of our workforce that was already either one, working remotely frequently, or two, entirely, or three, have the capabilities to work remotely. So it was a relatively easy transition, but as soon as you start sending people home, you have to start coming up with a game plan for when they come back. So we started looking into that and a big thing for us was starting to make sure we opened up channels for communication with our employees to see what their feeling was on returning back into the workplace so it's big to watch what your local news sources legislatures governor's guidance is for what their doing for the reopening we have people here from michigan and i know they've been changing guidelines on that even relatively recently i have family in the area so it's one thing for the affected rates obviously jody in new york has had a whole lot more uh, to worry about than arizona to start but then we still have fun things like the ihsc uh, that's the i forget what it stands for ihsc they put out some interesting models for what they're anticipating for reintroduction and what that's going to do for corona cases by state. And that's one where Arizona wins. We're expected to have the highest increase numbers of cases over these next few weeks with our reopening policies. So like Jody said, it's something that you can't take seriously enough as you're planning. So I would suggest checking out your state with those maps just to see as people are reopening, what does it look like for what potential cases may be so you can try to plan ahead for that and talk to your people, see what they're feeling. If people are itching to get back into the office versus no, everyone wants to stay at home, and you're going to have to drag them, kicking and screaming, back into the office, that should have a big impact on what you set your policies to be.
0: Thanks, Mike, <clears throat> uh, Jody. So, being in New York, um, you know, I'm just curious. You know the you know the reaction from your employees when you kind of initially canvass them, and you know some of the main concerns that they were having and you know how you adopted some of the policies that you're set to put in place uh, as a result
1: yeah um we didn't go to our employees initially we came up with feeling like we covered all of our basis to make them feel as though they can make an informed decision from you know what our cleaning uh, what we're, what the building was doing from a cleaning perspective, what we were doing from a cleaning perspective, what the protocol would be for coming into the office. And then we went to them in the survey and the initial response was, hey, we're ready to come back. And, you know, we had um, it kind of played out nicely um, from because we wanted to hold to 30 percent and a little over 30 percent replied that they were ready to come back, wanted to come back and wanted to come back um for every day of the week. Um, then as time got closer, then the fears, you know, started mounting and we started getting phone calls like, hey, you really are making this optional, is it okay if I don't come back because of, you know, this happened, or, you know, I I don't feel like I would be able to see a family member if I were coming into the office, and um, a lot of concern, so like that, it was like everybody was gung-ho up until a week of it happening, and then we probably, you know, lost about 10% of those people who said that they were coming back, Um, and it was more for, concerns about family members around them that had, you know, conditions or, or they, they didn't feel safe. Um, so, you know, giving them the information and letting them make a decision, we are still 100%. It, this is your decision. Um, we don't want to be the people that make the decision and say, you absolutely have to come back into the office. Um, we've even thrown around, um, you know, do we tell people you're, you have a choice indefinitely? Um, So it it definitely them feeling like they've had a choice. Um, We already, our employees are used to giving feedback to different processes. They were very forthcoming with what their concerns were, We held meetings and tried to address everyone's concern, but the ultimate thing is that it's voluntary if this is your work environment that you thrive in and being around others. um, If you want to come back a couple days a week, as opposed to full time, you know, whatever it may be, it has to be their decision. And, you know, I think that 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 helped but we did, we did lose people, you know, we lost like 10%. And, you know, some people came back and I heard that it's very light out there today. Um, it's interested to see if that's because yesterday was a holiday and, uh, And some of the cells are sneaking in that four-day weekend. Um, Or if people were concerned, because last week we did have um, a couple people that were like, you know, I saw this person. They didn't have a mask on, even though they're required to. And I don't feel comfortable. And so they've left. So I'll be interested to see. This is our third week back. I'll be interested to see what tomorrow, Thursday, uh, look like, because we may have lost more.
0: Thanks, Jody uh mike you know the clear best practice we've heard from the two of you and other members of ours is, you know, at least with the initial phase of returning people to make it optional, both from a comfort and a liability standpoint. And then as you begin to get that information back from your employees, I want to come back, I want to stay at home. It's not just as easy, right? It's just returning everybody to their cube, right? Four people that want to come back might be the four people that sit right on top of each other. Um, You know, some of the common areas, talk about some of the stuff that you thought about regarding just the setup and the layout of your office. So
2: one thing we did
0: is, as Rich
2: mentioned, we reached out to all of our employees and sent a survey for who would like to volunteer to come back into the office. Communicate that vision, what the timelines look like, and what kind of restrictions you're looking to put into place so that people can make a decision with their family on whether they want to start going back. Or maybe without their family if they're sick of them by this point, we don't judge. well, once they show that they want to come back that is where we took a look at our seating maps and if we measured to make sure that we had six feet in between our chairs both between your neighbor and the person behind you the person in front of you but even just to go abundance of caution if you had daniel and you had david sitting next to each other we would still reach out to both of them and say hey both of you have shown interest coming in on these days are you both comfortable sitting Still within the same region, or would either of you like us to voluntarily reseat you temporarily? And very few people ended up taking us up on that offer. We did have a few, but we wanted everyone to feel comfortable if they wanted that opportunity to come back into the office, so that they could have more space between them. And then from there, it was kind of thinking about the next steps, which is okay. It's great for when you're sitting at your desk to have the social distancing and the safe space, but. Even the most uh, hardcore people don't sit in their seats all day. You're going to get up and grab coffee, water, go to the restroom. So that's where we had to start mapping out some of those spaces. And I do highly suggest when you're communicating with people, open it up for questions because they're going to think of questions that relate to your specific building, your area that we can't help prepare you for. You may have a different lobby than we do that has different challenges that they're going to ask questions about. So you can think, Oh yeah, of course, we're going to need that. We had to get those little ropes that you would normally use for a VIP area to help cordon off our front desk, just so that couriers coming in wouldn't walk right up to the desk of our receptionist and start putting their hands all over the place. So it's little small things like that, that we would have never thought of, but the receptionist was like, Whoa, hold on. I'm going to need some extra space. Uh, you your VIP mortgage, you guys should have those all over the place. We've got a there. lot you of those things. things. <laughs> it came in happy for hurting people through the office as we came back.
0: So. <laughs> Too funny. Uh, Jody, I know that, uh, you know, yourself, uh, Cleveland, there you those beautiful uh, blue skies uh, behind you uh, from Cleveland, <clears throat> but uh, many of the, uh, some of the executives at Nationwide are remote. They're not local to New York. And, you know, previously you guys had been commuting in, um, to the home office. How are you going to look at that going forward?
1: Um, it is a discussion every day. Um, I would commute every week uh, to New York, uh, had apartment in New York. I gave that up, um, for not knowing what the rest of the year is going to look like. Um, 50% of our executive staff live outside of uh, New York and commute in typically um, two weeks out of a month. Um, I am there almost every week, Um, but none of us are commuting and we don't have a plan um, for return. My next trip will be a drive out um, to uh, take care of the apartment and figure out what the next steps are. so much so, I um, our founder very much likes the uh, face-to-face interaction and the weeks that I wasn't there, was like, why are you not here, has completely done a 180. And I was like, I don't think that we need, you know, we are communicating more than we were before. Um, you become very deliberate in your communication because you can't just, you know, walk down the hall and have a conversation. Um, so I think that the communication is more purposeful than it was before, and it really is as we continue to, as we continue to look to grow. Those management roles no longer need to be in New York; they can be anywhere. So it definitely has has changed the way that we have interacted in the past, and I don't I don't know if and when it will go back. Um, I it, I don't think that it will be this year.
0: Thanks, Jody, and uh, yeah, you know, every so often I'll get a call or an email from a recruiter like, "Hey, we're, you know, I know you guys got a lot of members. We're, you know, looking for somebody to be filling." Like in, in a couple of years ago, was like, you know, my first question would be, "Would do they all? Do they have to live in St. Louis or Cleveland or Miami or whatever they're asking?" And it was always yes, and now it's almost always no. So uh, definitely a changing <clears throat> mentality on that, um, Mike uh, VIP guys, you know, three, four billion a year, you gotta be just absolutely busting at the seams with volume right now. Um, always, you know, you helped lead a session a couple of weeks ago on like forecasting for the summer staffing planning. And I think we all assessed on that call. The summer is going to be busy as hell. Um, how are you handling recruiting and training right now, um, for what lies ahead? Busy as hell was my technical term for it,
2: and uh, that's a good summary for what people should expect. The, everything we're seeing, and ever I imagine most people on the call are seeing that to some degree as well, it's going to keep busy for a while. Purchases, I don't know, it may change some based off of your things, but when I was looking at national data that came out this morning, purchase activity for contracts is already back up to where they were before all this started. Supply has still gone short in a bit, but the demand is still high enough that we're getting housing bids again for homes that are comfortable going back on the neighborhood. So while they're still expecting 2020 to be down 15% net, that's still another 5 to 10% increase in purchase activity from where you're at. And chances are you've still got more than enough refis that your LOs are just now starting to call back because they just now have the bandwidth again. So the recruiting and training has been a something that you have to start planning for now. And like Jody mentioned, you almost have to start planning for a new normal for that because as we see this happen, a lot of people aren't necessarily itching to get back into the office. So you're going to have to start planning on people starting without ever coming to the mothership for training. So, I do suggest starting to look at vendors that can help with that. We use in our case a company called Litmos, which allows for learning paths for new employees. You can set it up so that everyone has standardized baseline programs they go through, such as Encompass and our in-house CRM and how to use Outlook and culture type stuff, and then specialized for their position and have some of those resources available to help take some of that pressure off the managers of those departments because they're going to be crunched for time right now and training remotely is going to be even more difficult and someone may be an expert at what they do but trying to train someone for the first time over zoom and short recorded screen shares is it's a different beast so i would suggest it's going to be kind of funky at first for everybody but start to think through what that's going to look like both for operations then also for sales you'll Most loan officers will probably be uh, tricky timing if they're switching right at the moment, but we have seen it. And that's something to think through as well is how are you going to handle their transitionary loans, especially in a case where you can't sit by side by side with them and go over things like transfer of licensing and the new programs and getting their database ported over.
0: Great point. Um, One topic I want to get both your thoughts on, and uh, I'll start with Jody, is documenting the plan. So important for so many reasons, transparency, to have something in place for the next time something like this happens, Uh, you know, concerned or curious employees uh, wanting to know uh, the broader plan beyond, you know, how it affects them. Uh, Jody, talk about the process you went through to document the steps and plan that you concocted and anything specific that you did within that?
1: Um, well, I think that you know most of it was it was like three broad categories. It was what were the what was the building going to require um, so that we could adopt our plan um, to meet their standards in addition to what state re- the state requirements were. Um, then what was our cleaning protocol going to be? And then um, well, I guess it would be for the, the workspace um, because having so many square feet, we were um, and only returning 30%. We just moved people. Um, so lo- logistics around that. And then what was the protocol going to be every single, what was every single day going to look like? And part of the reason needing to document it is because, no matter how many times you read over it, even until the day that it that we did return, we were changing based on feedback that we would receive or, you know, we would jump on a best practices call. And we we um, did research and went on webinars specific outside of the industry because we wanted to hear from people that we felt like would... Um, have a better plan than we could possibly ever come up with because I don't think that Mike or I either one thought that we were going to have to become experts on air quality and buildings or, um, you know, where the hot spots were going to be and where would there be resurgence so um, We all, all the executives and uh, management, everybody would take a call and we would get best practices and we would continue adding to that plan and let it evolve. Like, oh, we didn't think about that and adding to it. So that's why it was so important to document. So everybody knew where we were at any given point so that it was much more concise in communication of saying, hey, we didn't think about this. What should should we do? Um, And then I also think, you know, really the, um, that allowed us, and I, uh, those of you can see the slide about leading with calm optimism. Um, it allowed us by having that documented, and I can tell you, I was scared to death at different times. I'm like, it's too soon. Um, you know, we didn't do this. You know, we should do this. Uh, so, but having it documented allows you to. Be optimistic and lead with calm and knowing what, if this happens, what are you going to do? If someone becomes infected that has been in the office, we were, what are you going to do? Well, first of all, we need to know who's there, right? So you have to take attendance. You have to direct everybody into the same door. You have to take attendance. You have to, so if someone is infected, you can send everybody out to, for two weeks um, at home and don't let people that um, would have come in contact with that individual So not documenting that would have led to more chaos, and really, I feel, put fear into our employees. We have a great culture and relationship with our employees, and I feel like their faith in us and doing this right, if it wasn't well documented, if it wasn't well thought out, that we could easily lose that um, in our employees. So that's why it was so important. And even, you know, having an infected employee, we chose, um, we do temperatures every day in New York. We also chose to do testing um, on the first day of return. And I, you know, you question that, like how much is too much, you know, make sure you consult with legal for what you can. can't do, don't document anything um, to protect yourself from a HIPAA perspective. But we did testing and we had employees that came back positive, but they never were in contact with the rest of the individuals in the company and they had they couldn't return uh, to work. Um, so in hindsight, that was a good decision, but it's definitely one you worry about leading up to the fact. But had we not had the plan in place would they have been walking around you know with 70 other employees and putting them and you know their families and their community at risk potentially so it's it's you have to document it you have to look like you have a clue like you've been doing this all of your life uh just so that you can keep the confidence uh in everyone around you
0: thanks jody uh, many great points there uh, including just as mike this is Regardless of your, you know, in New York where been hit the hardest, or Arizona, I don't know how the heat is not killing the virus by itself out there. Mike mentioned before the call was 96, and he actually classified it as nice and cool. Um, But uh, it's an anxiety filled moment for employees, regardless of where you're returning to the office, and it's not just them; it's their families, people they come in contact to when they come home, and Uh, I mean, my guess would be as a company that's trying to uh, relieve employee anxiety, a very thorough yet well-laid out documented plan is a, a big part of relieving that anxiety, right? Agreed 100%. One thing that
2: it's something that I tell my people frequently in normal mortgage matters is that all of us have what I call the silent majority in our employees, You'll have your very, very vocal people on both extremes of any situation, but then you'll have a large group of people who are somewhere in the middle and they don't necessarily vocalize their concerns and fears. And especially with Corona, you'll have the people who thinks this is all one giant hoax, definitely letting you know that they believe this is all a hoax. You'll have the people who are especially the ones who have been personally impacted, they're definitely going to let you know on the flip side that they're terrified of this. And then you're going to have a solid 70, 80% in the middle who aren't going to say a damn thing, even when you email out. And those are the people to keep in mind and why to document. And I had suggested in a previous call to do a short documentation for people so that they can have something to easily reference and approach and read. Or if you get someone who looks at an eight page attachment, just says, I can't, even handle this right now. It's too much anxiety even thinking about reading an eight page document about COVID. And they're gonna have the other people who are the flip side and they wanna know the detailed answers to every permutation they can think of. And those are the people that you wanna still try to address and communicate with, which is difficult when you don't get any communication back. So that's the kind of challenge as a leader is to try to think through, communicate with those who are willing to do a dialogue with you and use that feedback to try to help and proactively communicate with the others. And, you know, Simon Sinek always does a lot with start with why. If you try to explain the whys of we're doing this, we're doing this to protect everybody. We're doing this to protect us as a company and explain the logic behind the decisions you as an organization are meeting. That's also going to help when you get those situations you didn't foresee. Those weird things on, you know, we did a coronavirus testing that we did it in with a company that came to our office and, there were about 18 different scenarios that popped up that none of us thought about in advance, but thankfully, because we had explained, here's the logic behind what we're doing here. People are able to help make those micro corrections so that everything went safely. Because so we had 40 people RSVP for the coronavirus testing. We had 87 show up. So uh, <laughs> <if> people <laughs> tell you nothing, that doesn't
0: mean they don't care. They just haven't replied to the email. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Uh, Jody, you mentioned that you're testing employees, uh, and I know a lot of our members, regardless of whether or not they're in New York or Ohio or Arizona or somewhere else, really are thinking about doing the same or are doing the same. What does what the protocol look like? And who's doing the testing? And you know, what is the protocol? if Somebody tests positive. What, what does that all look like?
1: So we are only doing it um, in New York, uh, not doing it across uh, the United States. Um, We used a doctor. So we had a doctor and a a nurse that worked for that doctor come in um, that day uh, to do testing. Um, We had sent, uh, we had had a long dialogue with Oswald, who is a broker for our health insurance, um, them suggesting they had quite a few uh, webinars that we had been on. And they're like, hey, you know, make sure you run it through legal, you know, um, because you're going to want to know if people are actively positive, but you don't want to document things. That's even with taking temperatures. Um, With taking uh, temperatures, you don't want to document what temperatures are. Um, So I would definitely, have a very long conversation with whatever your plan is is with your uh, consult your legal counsel or if you or if you use uh, an uh, outside attorney make sure that you go through that process um, get your insurance provider involved they should be able to hand they should be able to give you a lot of guidance and um, then once we decided to do that, then it was like, well, it's a service to the employees. So those who did not test positive, we gave them the option to do antibody testing. Um, And then they saw that as a benefit because a lot of people want to be antibody tested. Um, So again, it's, I think it's a decision and I think it depends on the geographic area. Um, It depends on your company. Uh, It depends on, you know there are just so many factors that play into that, but I definitely would get legal involved early if you are going to do the testing.
0: Thanks, Jody. Uh, We have just a few minutes left. So if anybody has any comments, questions, uh, best practices of your own, please feel free to share them. Uh, See one come in right now. The very vocal minority of people wanting to come back to normal are making waves. Did either of you, have this happen mike you're shaking your head vigorously we also have a very vocal minority that uh
2: definitely wanted to come back i'd say the bulk of those were on the sales side for us especially like loas and then a few who have particularly chaotic home situations and jeff definitely know where you're coming from on that so that was where we did let them know here's what the plan is and here's what the timeline looking before we started opening up and that helped calm down some of their very vocal hand raising just to know that there was an action plan and a timeline in mind for when they'd be able to start coming back and that is where we we had the fortune in our office that we have enough space that i was able to kind of do separate spaces for the more spaced out people the operations side kind of on the south side of our building where okay, there are no outside people, everyone is more concerned, but wants spaced out, being able to come out. And then on the north side where we have the sales more prevalent, we had it to where, okay, you can't have an external visitor if they follow these guidelines, go to this specific conference room to meet with someone from the sales side in that specific conference room with all the proper PPE and masks and protocol and allowed more of the sales side to come in and start getting that itch out of their system to meet with people when they need to. Because some clients do still want to meet face-to-face, even in the new reality, which is a surprise factor for me. And you try to accommodate, but at the same time, you have to look out for the wellness of everyone.
0: So does that hopefully answer your question, Jeff? Yeah, TMC benchmark data this month. It's, its That that group is, I think, people married between 5 and 15 years with two or more children under 10. Those are the people, I think, that are dying to get back in the office. So. Agreed. Um, uh, just a few minutes left Uh, I ask you guys just for some uh, some final words of wisdom for the group uh, before we wrap up Uh, Jody I'll start with you
1: yeah I would just say you know um, you're gonna get a lot of resources that um, Mike has forwarded over and we forward over to TMC to share I will say on now being two weeks past it, I definitely had much greater anxiety leading up to the go live date. Um, part of that might've been my lack of control because I'm not in New York. um, So I couldn't control that every single piece that happened and had to rely on others. But I will say, I I think that we had an extremely successful return. I think it was successful because of the buy-in of the employees very early in the process and really having a clear understanding of like Mike said, the why and, you know, we were probably have been, uh, much more. It's like, no, you're not bringing anyone into this building as a visitor. If you need to meet someone, then you're going to follow that. But, um, you know, really getting everyone's buy-in and people started, you know, because they knew what the rules were, they started policing each other. So I would say, you know, on the other side of it, I'm much more, uh, relaxed and comfortable. Um, Still a little bit of nervousness because I don't want there to be a resurgence, but do the planning, use the resources and, you know, it'll be okay. We have to have some type of environment where employees get to choose where they want to work, where they thrive. Um, And I think that you can have a safe and successful, at least partial return of your employees.
0: Thanks, Jody. And Mike, to wrap up, some final comments from you. Yeah, so
2: some of the stuff that we kind of saw after the fact in case that helps with people as they're planning. One, we did do a deep clean of our carpets and we did get the air quality tested. Whether those are actually effective is beyond me. That's for smarter people than me and like OSHA, but talking to clients or employees rather as they've come in, they did find that very reassuring. And when we've talked to people at the branches doing a deep cleaning, make sure to communicate the things you guys have done or are doing. And that does help reassure people out of our corporate office. We have about 150 people normally here. We ended up having about 10% want to start coming back just so you can kind of use that for planning. If your company ends up similar to us branch level, so far we've had three branches reopen about the same stat, about 10% so far. And, uh, trying to think of anything else.
0: I think that's most of the big stuff. Yeah, and as Jody mentioned, Mike's forwarded uh, the first two iterations of this session, some a couple of really good documents uh, that we've talked about uh, during the course of this session, uh, some resources that we'll forward, forward out with the recording of the presentation to all the registered attendees. So, um, and I uh, want to thank Jody and Mike for doing this three weeks in a row. All in all, we had well over 100 people. Uh, on these sessions uh, live and many many more that were registered and a lot of people will register for our sessions just to get the recordings um, knowing they may not be able to listen live so that's definitely a part of this so uh, thank you Jody and thank you Mike very much.
1: Thank you Rich and I forgot to say uh, happy birthday to TMC. That's right
0: seven years seven years for
1: TMC.
0: Hard to believe so Good stuff. And to our attendees, thank you very much. Uh, Not lost on us how busy it is. Uh, First day back after a long weekend. Uh, Really appreciate you taking some time out with us. And I hope to see you again soon on one of our upcoming calls. Thanks, and have a great afternoon, everyone. Thank you. Including people watching this in the future. For more information (laughs) about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.